0: Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert, Seth Green, teach two things, how to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth.
1: Hi, and welcome to another podcast with, uh, from Career and College Counselors, I'm Maria Geffers.
0: And I'm
2: Tom Geffers, and uh, again, our podcast uh, is used as a resource, hopefully, for people around the country to tap into the different subjects that we talk about, whether it's a career or college, and uh, a lot of it is specialized and today is, is no different.
1: Right. We're excited. We are have someone from middle America, as I was saying before. Uh, we've never had anyone fight in the center of uh, America. So his name is Jim Mathis. He is from Ohio Tech. And the essential question, Jim, that you're going to be talking around is when it comes to tech careers, know your brand, find your path. So thank you so much for coming, Jim. We really appreciate it.
3: You're welcome. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Well, the first thing we always start off with is uh, to have a little bit of who you are, what you do, and then your aha moment. And, uh, you know, I I think you've had a lot of aha moments in your life.
3: I certainly have. Yeah, I'm Jim Mathis. I um, <clears throat> grew up from junior high on in LaGrange, Wyoming, which is the little tiny town of when I left there. It's 167 people. And... Um, My dad was a pastor, and I was bored and rambunctious, so I moved out of the house when I was 14 years old to move on a farm and ranch, and that allowed me to get into agriculture and mechanics and running equipment and breaking horses, and most of them broke me. Um, But that got me into the ag, and then I actually drove semis when I was 17 years old, and I thought I was going to own a fleet of semis, and so I decided to go to WyoTech. And so the big aha moment was uh, making the decision to go to WyoTech and learn diesel mechanics so I could own a fleet of semis.
1: Excellent, excellent. Right.
3: So uh, when
2: you go on your, your website for uh, WyoTech, what hit you right from the, the get go is know your brand, forge your path. What exactly does
3: that mean to you and your students? Sure, that's a great question. And because I'm a cattle rancher and, and kind of grew up on the ag side, uh, cattle branding, everything from middle of Nebraska West is a state requirement. So you have to brand your cattle. And so the branding is at, an identification. And so we use branding and in, in branding a business and everything else it actually came from branding of cattle because it's personal property. You want a, a, a great brand to be proud of it. And so then we translate over into our own lives, you know. Um, we want to develop students in such a way that they are proud of themselves, proud of their brand that they're making as they, in their career, in their career path. And so we want them to have the confidence to go out there, one, be proud of themselves, be proud of their brand, uh, their name, and so they don't screw up and, and hopefully uh, make some poor choices. And then also to have the confidence to make a difference in this world by forging your path and uh, have the confidence, confidence to do that.
2: Sounds like a good uh, a good plan for uh, young kids, young minds, especially. Right, right. Uh, one of your, your mission statements is to reestablish the American dream, I think, in, in your in your site as well. What does that mean and why is that so important to uh, uh, biotech?
3: Yeah, what we see in a lot of younger, the younger generation is they don't have that confidence to forge their path and take some risks and go forward. And you compare that to 150 years ago or 100 years ago, even 30 or 40 years ago. And we just see people are at our school system is telling students what they can do, what they can't do. And instead of building some entrepreneurship in these students, they are always expecting to be told what to do and how to do it and when to do it, when to get up, you know, and and all these rules and regulations. And again, obviously there's a balance there, but we want to build that confidence where students can forge their path and build confidence and say, you know, I can do this. I can own my own business. I can, you know, if if a Jim Mathis can succeed, I'm a high school dropout, took my GED, all I wanted to do is either ride a horse or run equipment to see where I've come from. If a Jim Mathis can do it, anybody can do it because I truly, I'm not that smart, but I'm always persistent. So.
1: You're a great role model for your students.
3: Well, I want to be. And so that's kind of my brand. In fact, tonight I'm speaking to the university of Wyoming rodeo team. There's 40 or 50 students coming over uh, to know your brand. And it's about, I'll, I'll, use that branding of cattle. And then I've got a whole bunch of notes on branding to relate it to us. You know, what is your brand as you go forward through life? So.
1: I love it.
2: So your school is considered one of the top, or uh, one of the best auto technician uh, vocational schools in the, in the country. What makes it stand out in your opinion You know, to get that uh, high rating?
3: Yeah, we're very different. In fact, we had the, one of the U.S. Department of Education um, inspectors come in today, and he was blown away with our differences, but we are very different in that our school, our students go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day. We have a high professionalism code, so students have to have to be here in attendance. If they miss three days, we actually suspend them. They can reapply six months later, but um, instead of hanging on to students to collect money, we say, no. We have a job to do to train you and prepare you for the industry in in nine months. And so again, our students go to school eight hours, 20 minutes a day. They have to wear uniform shirts, work pants. They have to be clean shaven every day. No earrings, nose rings, tongue rings. Um, They get graded on their professionalism code. So we have a theory grade, we have a shop grade, and we have a professionalism grade. And so we are trying to prepare these young students, in most cases they're young, to meet the work world. And what it does for them as well as us is we have employers come from literally all over the United States to recruit our students because they're used to working eight hours a day. They're used to showing up on time. We start school at seven o'clock in the morning and they go to 4.20 in the afternoon uh, with a 50 minute lunch. And so they're used to that real work world and literally employers gobble them up as fast as we can produce them, so. Well, that's, uh... We, we we go to a
2: networking, um, uh, meeting every week. And one of our members owns a, uh, pretty well-known, uh, guest, uh, repair shop in the area. And, uh, every week that we speak to him, he said, he's practically asking every week, Do you know, anybody who wants to work, anybody who wants to, you know, become an auto mechanic and, and learn the business. So, you know, the fact that, you know, your students are, are traveling around the country and, and getting, uh, hired. I'm going to have to mention that to them yes. next time we see him. I think it will be tomorrow. Right, but, right. You know, it's, it's such a common thing, I guess, especially in the, in the automotive uh, business. But how many how many students do you actually have in the school at any one time?
3: Yeah, so we bought WildTech three years ago. And I don't know if you know the history of Wild Tech, but I was here for 26 years the first time. Went from student to CEO and we grew it quite large. We started a Pennsylvania campus underneath my watch and then our parent company sold us to Corinthian Colleges. They ran it for quite a few years, and then eventually they actually went bankrupt in 2014, I believe. And then a Zenith Education Company took a bunch of their schools out of bankruptcy, ran them for three years, lost money, decided to close most of them down, including all the WyoTechs. And then the state of Wyoming actually searched me out, and and because um, WyoTech was gonna be no more. And they sought me out and changed a bill where I could borrow money from the state to help me buy WildTech, and so we were able to buy WildTech three years ago. We started with 12 students. When I left in 2002, we had 2,200 students, or almost 2,200 students in Laramie. And so anyway it's quite a shock to come back three years ago and start with 12 students but currently uh, we have about 440 students but literally in three weeks we'll have 675 students We're starting a full, full we're starting our fall class October 1st and um, we'll have numbers to hit 6, 675
2: so, so the uh, the semester if you call
3: it that goes for how long nine months our programs are nine months and because we go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day, we offer more credit hours and clock hours in nine months than most junior colleges do in two years. So that's kind of our claim to fame is it's concentrated, but you're getting a lot of education in nine months because, because you go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day. So it's it's kind of like a job. So you, we, we love training students and most students love being trained the way we train. So. And, and the financial aid I saw
2: on your website is available, just like any other college. It is. Um, so uh, the students
3: can uh, apply for uh, financial aid. I don't know it, so. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're fully accredited and approved by the U.S. Department of Education. And so therefore, we can uh, offer um, students federal financial aid.
1: And you do also then have veterans as well. You uh, have that accommodation as well for veterans.
3: That is correct. About 10% of our student population are veterans. Uh, we love our vets. And the other population is mo- mostly 19-year-old uh, students, mostly male, but we have all probably 5 or 6% female. And employers grab them first if they can because they're smarter and they more Articulate and uh, computer skills a whole bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, if you're young or old, we don't care. Um,
2: what was that? Uh, what What is the outlook for the uh, for the industry? I mean, um, you hear things about um, you know, electric cars, obviously. Uh, I'm assuming you're teaching uh, things that are coming up in the future. Well, they're not future, they're here now, but like the diesel industry, everything is changing with the gas uh, industry. How are you handling that and how are you teaching that and how are you preparing them for jobs in the
3: future? Yeah, we (laughs) we train entry-level technicians, and so we – are pretty current on everything that's out there. So all your electronic diesel engines and, and automotive and all the emissions and everything else, we're up to date. We touch on the electric vehicles right now. We don't have any, but there's less than 1% of the vehicles on the road right now are electric vehicles, and they probably would not let a new graduate from any school start working on them. So we aren't too concerned until the, the quantity uh, and the percentages goes up but we will stay abreast of that. And when our advisor committee, we have an advisor committee that meets twice a year, when they start saying, hey, you need to start adding more electric vehicles to your curriculum, we will. So it's unbelievable. We just had a a career fair with 70 employers come in, represented by about 300 of their employees to come in and recruit our graduates. And one company that we really, like is John Deere. Uh, I'm a John Deere junkie. I love my John Deere tractors and everything else. But it's C&B Equipment and they came in, interviewed a bunch of students, flew their private jet down a week later uh, from Minnesota to take seven of our students and and their instructor up to Minnesota to show them their operation and dealership and make job offers to them. And so, again, that's how serious industry is getting that they flew their private jet down to, to come down and take wine and dine them of course they didn't wine and dine them because they, they're too young to to wine okay. but they dined them um but yeah so that's how serious employers are to hire our students
2: so uh, are students coming from
3: uh all around the country or mostly from wyoming and then moving out yeah that's a great question only six percent of our students come from wyoming so 94 percent travel on average a thousand miles to attend school in laramie wyoming so they drive by one or two competitors in junior colleges. And so we're that much different than a normal school that if you want something more concentrated and are serious about a career, um, Wild Tech is about the fastest you can go through a school to get that career started. So,
2: Well, you know, in, in a normal college, you know, they'll look at your grades in school and your interests and your essays and all that good stuff. What do you look at when someone wants to come into your school? Most employers
3: look at, the first thing they look at is attendance. Second thing is attitude or their professionalism grade. Third is their shop grade. They want a decent shop grade. Fourth is their theory grade. And um, so that's, employer wants someone that's any graduate for that matter. But um, so if someone's willing to show up and with a great attitude, they will hire them.
2: And how about you when you accept them? What do you ask of them to look at uh, from that history?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I always said, if I had to pass some big entrance test, I'd never be where I'm at today because one, I hated school. I didn't care about tests. Uh, you know, that's just poo-hoo. If I want to learn something, I'll learn it and I'll, I'll figure it out. And so that was my kind of growing up. So when we, I became a uh, executive about WyoTech, I always opposed entrance tests because I said it would have kept the Jim Mathises out of the world or out of WyoTech. And so, I want to know the character of the person and whether they want to learn and be trained. So we have a personal interview with every student. So the entrance requirements are they have to have a high school diploma or a GED and a personal interview to see what type of student uh, we think they're going to be. And then we accept them based, based on that, so.
2: Right. Uh, one of your, uh, I guess I'll call it a major, is you teach uh, students how to uh, open their own business. Like I said earlier, somebody who owns a uh, automotive shop, he has to run the business. He's behind the counter one in the morning. He's in the back during the afternoon. He's doing the, the accounting. And you teach all of that, I understand, in, in, in one of your paths. And How does that work? And that's, that's a great path for someone who maybe doesn't want to you know actually work on the engine, but wants to be around it and, and wants to be in the industry, I suppose.
3: Yes, that is correct. We have three core programs and then six electives. So our core programs are automotive, diesel, collision refinishing. Our most popular is diesel and then automotive and then collision refinishing. Those are six months of a nine month program. Then our electives are street rod uh, building, advanced diesel, chassis fabrication, which is a lot of welding and fabrication related to cars and, and building chassis and roll cages and that type of stuff. Uh, high-performance engines, trim and upholstery, then business management or applied service management. So one of the electives is they can actually leave here in nine months with an associate degree in business management. But it teaches everything from balance sheets to p ls to shop organization, uh, teaches all your HR regulations uh, for hiring and firing. And so when they leave with uh, business management, um, they have a pretty good idea of how at uh, An operation runs from a financial standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a legality standpoint, where many of our students um, actually start and have owned their own businesses and own their own businesses. Hmm. What do you What do you think the uh, future of uh,
2: blue collar workers versus you know white collar workers uh, going
3: forward? I don't. I think it's going to increase as far as what we need for blue collar workers, the tradespeople. Um, Every trade is desperate for people, and so our school system, in my opinion, just kind of failed half, half the population and not training and and encouraging trades, and we've pushed them to four year colleges, which again is great for a lot of people, half my brothers and sisters went to college to that route, I went a different route, and so there's no right or wrong, it's just a difference. And for years, we said the people that went to trades were, you know, less smart. You know, different. And and trust me, we're different. But we're not less smart. We just use our our skills and our smartness in way different ways. And so, and again, we're seeing a the a trend to go back to the trades, though, because we recruit high school students. We we have visiting high school instructors come from all over the United States. And we're starting to see that the industry, uh, the trades people in these communities are starting to force the school boards to put trades back into their schools. So believe it or not, there are several schools in California that are adding trades back. Uh, Arkansas is a big, huge state uh, that are adding trades back into high schools and everything else. So we're seeing that trend uh, back, going back into, hey, they're, 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 it's an option. It isn't, you're less smart or anything else. If, you, if this is an option, if you think you're going to go to the four-year route, great. If you think you want to go to the trades route, great. Here are some trades that you should be taking.
2: Well, we're, we're in Northeast Pennsylvania, and one of the uh, big school districts here, uh, I think a year or two ago, added an entire wing yeah. onto their school for just the awesome. go of Tech. And it was a brand-new wing to the school, very impressive on the news when we watched it. So you're right that you know, a lot of schools are, are, are making that switch. Yes,
1: we have to recognize that, uh, as you said, there are talents and gifts that each of us have, and we need to be able to recognize them and to work within those talents and gifts that, you know, they're all they're all perfectly uh, valid for that particular person. I have a question, Jim. What do you say to a parent who believes that the only uh, success of their student or their child can have is going to a four-year college and yet the student really wants to go into the trades. How would you, how do you speak to that? How would you uh, explain the importance of the trades and uh, having a good career in the trades?
3: Yeah, great question. In fact, this morning we have tours from all over the United States come in daily uh, to tour Wild Tech and everything else. And the tour today, one of them um, is a young lady and she's going to the University of Wyoming thinking about quitting and coming here. And I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, I said, we're, we're different. And she's, well, she's, I'm more outdoorsy. She said, I worked on a dairy farm back, I believe in Pennsylvania, believe it or not. And uh, I plan on coming here, but I said, well, I said, what do your parents think of this? And she says, not so much. And I ran and grabbed my business card. I said, you have, call- have your parents call me if they have any questions. And uh, again, it's a different option because, You see so many struggling people. You're, again, nothing wrong with a four-year education, but so many, you've seen the Starbucks and the waitresses and everything else. It seems like so many of them have a bachelor's or master's degree and they think the degree that it of itself is going to get them a job and it's not it's what skill you can provide so if you if you're going to a college to get a skill whether it's accounting or doctor or nurse or whatever great but just some of these degrees that they're producing out there there's no skill and employers need some type of a skill and so it's an option you know again nothing right or wrong of what direction but you know if if they're going to get a skill and a and in a career no problem but if they are just because you have a four year degree or a bat, or a masters or whatever doesn't necessarily going to get you a job so you've got to have you have to add something to society well, one, um, with
2: the skill one of the problems that we come across and we try to help our students with uh, is to make sure they graduate in four years many 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 students are in school for five or six years so they're out of the job market they're paying high tuition for those six years as opposed to you know your program you're, you're in and out nine months and you and you're making a lot of money in your 10th month hopefully so Absolutely. I mean, just that time frame of the you know the, the cost of money over over five years you know it's hard to make that up if you're if you're paying giant uh, tuition right you right. know loans
1: right blue well, colour workers are often spoken uh, about as the backbone of the American economy. Um, what's your feeling on that, and can you explain why?
3: Why? Sure. Well, just during this COVID, and a lot of com- uh, companies had to shut down and everything else. The trucking world stayed intact, and again. So therefore the diesel mechanics and automotive mechanics, all your delivery trucks had to be repaired because people had to eat. The grocery stores were still open. Um, and so just from a standpoint of the tradespeople, people, they never got laid off or most of them did not get laid off. In fact, your dealerships, they went through a slump for about three months and then their business businesses actually went crazy because new cars weren't available so then therefore all everybody had to have their older cars repaired and so the service departments at these dealerships really um had some of the best profitable months ever during covid and so again the trades um you know did not shut down during the the pandemic so and i do not see that changing
2: so and I assume that your school was open during the entire COVID,
3: hands-on? We, we were. We, we had to shut down for two weeks or three, and then because of our scheduling, we actually uh, shut down for six weeks. Um, but we got the governor's approval to reopen and the state health department and the county health department. And we're kind of an independent group out here. And so we said, you know, uh, it's personal responsibility. If you want to wear a mask, if you want to get vaccinated, no problem, no questions asked, but we're running the school on campus. You got to show up every day. And if you're sick, hey, do what you have to do. Go get tested, go get whatever. We, we have our own housing. So we had uh, some quarantine rooms for our students if they did test positive. And so we doubled our population during COVID because we didn't succumb to the panic attack of everybody else. And so we did not go online. Um, we could. We're set up for it. But you cannot learn yeah. the trades online. We just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so we stayed open. And families responded accordingly in a positive way.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us face challenges, uh, whether it's in our career or opening our business. What was one of the biggest challenges that you had to face?
3: Boy, that's... Um, great during my career, just not with buying WildTech three years ago, but in my career, I think, and I, I speak to this often, especially to my team. I have an awesome team. I'm not that smart. I'm trusting me. I'm not that smart. But I I'm smart. I'm smart enough to hire smart people. But my my challenge to them is, how do you communicate up? So I hire very competent people. And it's always, and I've always felt like pretty competent. You give me a job to do, I'll get it done. But how do you communicate up? How do you communicate to your boss? How do you, How do I communicate to? Again, I don't have the situation now, with this, um, but I worked for big private equity groups for years. I worked for big banks, bankers trust out in New York City uh, for four or five years. And how do you communicate up to make sure that? they don't have questions they don't have concerns you don't um feed them a bunch of stuff that they are not interested in what are they interested in so i always tell people you know your greatest challenge is people working for me how do you communicate with me what do you you got to figure me out uh because i'm i'm going off in different directions and and you know building buildings and so you figure out and i try to communicate, but by the same token, how do you communicate back up? And that's my biggest challenge. And, you know, what do you report to the boards? Uh, What not to, you know, uh, trying to figure that communication out, because again, I'm a cowboy. I'll figure out how to do it right, wrong or different. I'll figure it out. Uh, But sometimes, um, you know, I I leave the board questioning my tactics. Uh, um, So, Anyway, so the, the, the question that, and the key that I've had to learn is how do you communicate upwards to your you know, boards or your private equity groups or whatever and whoever you work for. So,
2: Well, be, before we close, uh, I want to thank you for uh, being with us and sharing all of the uh, knowledge that you have about the tech uh, education. Uh, it's things that uh, people don't uh, tend to think about, especially if you have knowledge before. Uh, We speak to many, many of them across the country and very rarely do we talk about, you know, the tech education. So I want to thank you uh, for being with us today. And is there anything that we haven't asked you that
3: you might want to touch on before we close? I think I'm good, but we'd love to invite you and and the audience out to tour Wild Tech. We love what we do. We love training students, you know, and again, it seems like yesterday I was a student. and it's hard to believe it's forty some years ago, but uh, I still love my students. We really love training students and see the lights come on and see them get get great jobs and become successful. So that is our passion.
2: Well, that leads us to our final, uh, not question, but comment. If someone wants to get in contact
3: with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, look us up on our webpage, yotech.edu. That's w y o t e c h dot edu. Very good.
1: Very good. Well, thank you again, everyone, for being a part of this great podcast. It was a step out, and as always, Tom and I learned a whole lot. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank Jim for again allowing us to kind of pick at his brain and find out all about the technology education post secondary opportunities for our students. So I thank you very much, Jim, for stepping out and allowing us to come in and talk to you. Uh, And for our listeners, we just want to tell you next week, we will have another expert in either the career, a college financial aid, or a college. And I'm Maria Geffers. And I'm Tom Geffers. And uh, we will see you next week. Thank you very much.